Well, uh, today I'm going to do a, a one Sunday special on our identity in Christ. And the reason I chose to do this is that um, from Wednesday, you know, Wednesday, Chip told you a little bit about Wednesdays. There's questions and interaction. And uh, as I began to hear the various questions that people had, I really felt like this would be a good message uh, to bring uh, because it really addresses a lot of the common questions that we have about, you know, if I'm, if I'm this new creation in Christ, if all this Bible stuff really is true, uh, and if you could theoretically cut me open on a spiritual operating table and look inside and see that I'm new, well then, you know, why, why do I still sin and, and aren't there kind of two me's? Because I kind of feel like there's a good me and a bad me. Um, and, and so what's going on here? Uh, what is the biblical explanation for my identity and then why I still sin? Now, I've talked about this uh, two or three times a year, maybe. I'll, I'll hit on this topic specifically. And I'm really excited about it today. Identity theft. You know, identity theft is a really... Big scare today with all the technology your, your, and, and all the computer systems, your social security number, it's out there. Your address is out there. Uh, some people out there that you don't even know, they know your bank account number. Um, and if you wouldn't mind after the service, if you would just give me your PIN. Uh, <laughs> identity theft. It's a real concern today. And spiritually, identity theft is just as big a scare. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, and Peter, and James, and John, I mean, they work hard throughout the epistles to make Christians aware of our identity. Because everything comes from identity. The way that we think, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so the way that we think about ourselves is going to determine the way that we act and in some ways, the way that we allow ourselves to feel and how much we entertain uh, accusation and condemnation. Who do you think you are? Who do you really think you are? Are you the sum total of your mistakes? Is there something deeper than that? Where does spirit and soul fit in? I always knew I had an invisible part of me and then a visible part of me, a body and a soul. Or maybe I have a body and a spirit. Or maybe I have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And my two parts are three. And why does it matter? And how does all that play into my thought life? That's what we're going to talk about today. Your new identity. First uh, question I like to ask a lot of different audiences is I'll go to different churches and speak. The first thing I like to ask is how many sins does it take to be a sinner? Now, you know the popular answer. The popular answer is it only takes one. And of course... That's not at all what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that it takes no sins to become a sinner. Now, why is this a big deal? This is a big deal because it takes zero sins to be a sinner, and it takes zero righteous acts to be a saint. We are sinners by birth, and we are saints by rebirth, and our behavior never comes into the picture. See, God is looking at things from a birth standpoint. Are you born? Are you born a second time? Who are you in? Not what are you doing, but who are you in? And the story, of course, begins in the garden. And the story of, uh, of a failure as a fruit, a fruit is eaten. And 
two human beings decide that they want to take matters into their own hands. And so they, they draw a ring around themselves and they declare themselves to be Lord of the ring. And they say, I am in charge. I'm going to do things my way. And what do they eat of? In that day, they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They weren't just wanting to be bad. They were wanting to know good from evil so that they could be like God. And in that moment, they died. And so, you'll notice that they had kids. And in fact, in Genesis, it says that, get this now, in Genesis it says that we were created in God's image, that Adam was created in God's image. And then it says after that, a few verses later, it says that Adam and Eve had a child named Seth, and Seth was born in Adam's image and had Adam's likeness. And you can imagine then that then Seth had children, and the, those children had children, and so what was carried down was not God's image, but Adam's image. And so we are under the delusion today that we are all created in God's image. That all of humanity is created in God's image, and that is absolutely nowhere to be found in the Bible. In fact, what we find is that Adam was created in God's image, and that image was lost at the fall, the presence of God, the holy, righteous, perfect spirit that Adam had, died, and he became alive to sin, and then he passed down that death, as in Adam, all die. And so the Bible says that we have to be recreated in Christ Jesus in order to be renewed in His image. And that's what's happening to us now. If we are in Christ, we weren't created, we've been recreated. We were born in Adam and recreated in Christ, now bearing His image. So what's the problem then? You see me there at the end? I'm the guy at the end of that line, that lineage there, I'm the redhead. Now, the reason I'm so hot mad is because, I mean, I don't even feel like I should be to blame here. I mean, I just showed up on planet Earth and I've got a problem. And Grandpa had the problem, and Great-Grandpa had the problem, and Great-Great, and it goes all the way back to Adam. And so my problem is that I've shown up on planet Earth and that I'm spiritually dead at the core. Now, everybody agrees to this. There's no controversy. You can look at the, the wars and the conflicts in the Middle East. You can look at uh, all kinds of crime and violence all over the planet. We'll say, yes, absolutely, spiritually dead. We're all born spiritually dead. I can see that clear as day. But now, what I'm hoping you'll see with me today is that there is a, a parallel truth. And that is, without doing a thing, but by virtue of being born a second time we become as righteous as Jesus Christ. We were as dead as Adam, and we become as alive as Jesus. And it's because of a birth, not because of what we do. So since we were in Adam, when he sinned, we sinned. Therefore, as through one man's sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and look what it says, so death spread to all men. Because all sinned. It's a contamination. It's a 
flaw in the blood. It's a spiritual bloodline that we inherit death. Just as Adam died spiritually, we died spiritually. The free gift is not like the sin. By the sin of the one, the many died. Much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. Do you get it? Look at the problem that one guy caused. Look at the solution that one Savior brought. It's a competition between Adam and Jesus. And the bottom line is that Jesus wins. But let's understand the core of the problem. Our problem came from the sin of one man, and it's inherited. When Adam was condemned, we were condemned. As through one sin, there resulted condemnation to all men. Here comes the good news, the flip side. Even so, one act of righteousness resulted in justification of life to all men. So just as Adam became a sinner, we became sinners. As through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So how many sins does it take to become a sinner? Zero. But you could also say the answer is one. Just It's just not your sin. It's the one sin that Adam committed so that you show up a sinner without committing any. So, what's my problem? I mean, look at me there. I'm hell-bound. What's my problem? My problem is, is that I'm lying and I'm cheating and I'm stealing and I'm hanging out with bad people that also encourage that? Is it that, that I'm doing bad stuff? My problem is who I'm in. And so, the solution then is going to be to get me out of Adam and get me in Christ. So, that's exactly what the Scripture says happens. In Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. I've got to tell you, for, for, for decades, a couple of decades, I mean, I, I read verses, Bible verses, since I was this high, with the word in, in the verses. You know, there's in the Lord, and in Christ, and in Christ Jesus, and in Him, and, and it didn't mean anything to me. I mean, it was just like, oh, that's a cool Bible phrase. What's the rest of the verse say? But what God is trying to shout to us is that our problem is who we're in. And so the fix, the fix for our problem is that we be in someone else. Now, now please don't look at this as just a, a bunch of verses and information. Here's, here's why this is a big deal. Who you are in determines your okayness. And there's only two grades. A hundred percent A plus, totally okay in Christ, and zero, absolutely failing, in no way okay in Adam. And if we can wrap our minds around this, that there is no third position. There's two choices. In Adam, in Christ, and there's no third gray area. Now, why is this important? Because most of us live believing in the gray area. Are you right with God? Well, you know, still trying to quit smoking. I got this deal, you know, with the, I don't know, it's got fake smoke and it's helping me, but I mean, I, 
I mean, God looks at that. God looks at that and, 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 you know, so I'm getting okay with God. So let me understand then. For by grace you are saved through faith, but you stay right through switching to a three-inch tube and then later graduating to nothing at all, and that's how you stay right with God. I mean, you see, you see what we're doing? We're taking a little bit of Bible Belt, a little bit of American religion, and we're putting it in there, we're mixing it up, and we're making everybody feel gray, not okay, but sort of gray okay. And so what we've done is we've invented three positions. There's in Christ, which refers to people that we don't really know. I mean, Billy Graham, he's in Christ, and he's a-okay. And then there's my uncle, man. You, that guy lives like the devil. He is in Adam. I mean, not really. i got a great uncle, all right? I don't mean I don't have a great uncle, but I have a... But my uncle, I mean, I'm telling you, in Adam. Well, then where do you fit in? And that's where we go to assessing the performance and the feelings. And then we say, well, I'm in Christ, but I act a lot like I'm in Adam. And so I'm in Christ, but I'm out of fellowship. But I'm in Christ, but I'm distant and I need to get close. You see all this stuff we do and God's saying, you're in me or you're in Adam. And that's what we need to wrap our minds around. You're in Adam, dead. You're in Christ, alive. This is by God's doing. 1 Corinthians 1 says this, By His doing, you are in Christ Jesus. He looks at you. He reaches out and He takes you. He lifts you up out of Adam and He transfers you over to His kingdom and He places you in Christ and it's by His doing. And then He holds you there. You're sealed and it, and it says no one can snatch you out of His hand. You're safe. You're in Him. And He's in you. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His Son. Do you not know? We saw this in our series in Romans. It's possible that all of this has happened to me, but I don't really know it, or I don't know it fully, or I don't know what it really all means. And so Paul says... Do you not know that you got a new history? You didn't just get a new future in heaven, but you got a new history, a new past. Your prior past was this. You were in a garden, eating a fruit, and you died with Adam. Now, you weren't really there. I wasn't there. I was born in 1972. But when Adam died, he passed that on to me, and so I gained his lineage, his heritage, his history is credited to me, and I, I show up spiritually dead. So now, if God is going to fix my problem, he can't just say, here, here's a ticket to heaven, oh, 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 and read this book while you're at it. A ticket and a book, that's eh, not going to cut it. My problem is my bloodline, my lineage, my heritage. I need a whole new history, a whole new past. And so he says, I'm going to transfer you out of Adam and put you in Christ. And you've been crucified with me and buried with me and raised with me. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if you knew my past, I mean, I struggle with uh, 
alcohol addiction and I struggle with uh, uh, porn addiction and I struggle with uh, erect marriage and I struggle with uh, this and I struggle with... That may be how you look at your past. But here's how the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the God of Gods, looks at your past. Your sins and lawless acts He remembers no more. He takes you out of that history and out of that past, and He says your new past is that you've been crucified, buried, and raised to newness of life with Me. Now, you can go by your earthy past, and you can look at your track record and believe that you are the sum total of those things. And if you believe that that's who you are, you are calling God a liar. Because God says there's been a surgery. God says there's been a transfer. Yes, those things happened. We don't have to pretend that they didn't happen. But the answer is God had a solution for all of that. And so we've been crucified, buried, and raised. It says in Ephesians, He made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in heavenly places. This is because we got to be in Christ. And where is Christ? Well, He's in heaven. So where are we? Man, that is weird. Is that not weird? I mean, you you got two choices at this point. Tune the guy up front. Just tune him out. Because he's talking about like symbolic Bible stuff that has nothing to do with Monday. Because, I mean, you just don't understand what my life looks like. Seated in heaven, yeah, I'm lucky to be seated in a coffee shop for ten minutes a week relaxing. My life is stressed. You don't know me. This is where the three parts of us is really going to help. Because what you're describing, what you're describing is soul stuff. I've got all kinds of soul stuff. You've got soul stuff. What I mean by that is all kinds of stressed out feelings and all kinds of freaky thoughts and all kinds of soul stuff. But there's another part of you, a deeper part of you, where God comes to live and it's called our spirit, not our soul. Now get this, you may have been walking around with a theology of the soul. I'm inviting you to a theology of the spirit. A theology that doesn't change. A belief system that is real and constant. And Josh talked about it this morning. He said, thank God we have a God that never changes. That always loves us, that never has a bad day. We've got all kinds of bad days. Our souls feel like this. The last thing we need is a theology of the soul. And that's what man has created for us. I feel distant from God. Therefore, I must be. I did this, this awful thing, or I didn't do my quiet time, and so now God's backed away from me. I can feel that His presence is not as close. I'll tell you what, that is a soul feeling. Here is a spiritual truth. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have sealed you until I return the day of redemption. That's truth. What this is, is a theology of the soul. Don't have it. Don't settle for it. Those who worship Jesus Christ 
must worship Him in spirit and in truth, not through emotion and soul. God created our souls. It's normal and natural and healthy for us to experience emotions and thoughts. But the point is this. We can't look to them to find truth. We can't look to them to discern what God is thinking. Because here's what we end up with. Our best guess based on our programming of the soul. Well, my dad always treated me like whenever I... And my mom always said... And we're programmed by that for years. And so when Christ Jesus comes to live in us, He doesn't live in our soul. He lives in a deeper place and expresses Himself through our soul and body as we allow Him. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next. But we've died. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ is our life. Wednesday we talked about the difference between trying to make God first. I've got to make God first. I wish I could make God first. I never seem to make God first. And then look at what this verse is saying. Christ is your life. You can try or not try, but I'm telling you, God is shouting, I'm your life. I'm the core of your being. I've come to live at the centermost place that you call you. You can't get away from it. You're talking about priorities like God and country and family, and you're trying to put me first, man. You're comparing me to country and family? I'm your life. If you had no family and had no country, I'm your life. I'm not a priority. I'm your life. So then, the bottom line is that the Scripture says some really strong things. Now, this is spirit talk. Not soul talk, but spirit talk. It says... We participated literally in His death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and seating at the right hand of God. Now, I don't care if you've been a Christian for one day, one month, one decade, or one century. This is God's truth, and it's true of you. It's true of all of us, regardless of what our soul experiences. But now we need to talk about the soul here in just a minute. So God transfers us from Adam into Christ, and then by, by getting a new nature, by getting a new spirit, this determines our identity. See, I used to think, uh, you know, people come up to you, they shake your hand, they say, uh, so, so, what do you do? Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a professor, I'm a pastor, I'm a this, I'm a that. You fill in the blank with your job. And so we take on what we do every day as our identity. But the obvious question is, well, what if you lose your job? What if you're paralyzed? What if you lose your ability to express your talents? What if you are a singer and you lose your voice? What if you're a teacher and you lose your voice? What if you're a delivery person and you lose your legs? Who are you? Who are you at the core? What makes you, you? What God is saying is, is that I've made you new in your spirit. And that's where you get your identity. You are as loved as Jesus. Jesus said it. Father, the love that you have given to me, I've given to them, that you may love them even as you have loved me. We are as secure as Christ. Sealed 
until the day of redemption, an inheritance reserved in heaven, not fading away. We're complete, righteous, forgiven. Righteous is such a Bible word. We don't use it a lot, except on the street, you know, like, hey, man, that is righteous. <laughs> but don't miss, don't miss its meaning. I didn't really, I didn't really sell that. I, righteous is not a word I use a lot on the street, and I wasn't acting it very well. I'm going to work on that and get back to you. It's just not part of my natural vocabulary. But righteous, I mean... Righteous means everything that we're chasing, we need not chase. Righteous means everything that we think we're pursuing to get from God, we need not pursue it. The Jews were running after this, full speed, righteousness, got to have it. And now we are today, we're saying, I'll trust Jesus for heaven, but if we don't watch it, we are still running after righteousness. A feeling of okayness. Got to clean my desk, got to clean my kitchen, got to clean my garage. Now I feel right. Sorry, perfectionist. I didn't mean to bring that up. <laughs> got to find God's will, got to do God's will, got to do exactly what He says, so I'll feel right. So you're righteous by doing God's will. You know what that is? That's works righteousness. You feel right when you found God's will and did it. That is works righteousness. Well, I've got to do my quiet time. I've got to go to church, and then I've got to go to Wednesday, and then I've got to go do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to make sure I witness. I've got to make sure there's none of this, and then I feel right. All of that dance, it's the Martha dance. Martha, 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 what are you doing all over the kitchen trying to get right? That was my waltz. <laughs> I can do a square, and that's about it. But that wasn't even a very good square. Fortunately... I don't get my righteousness from dancing either. Righteousness. We all want it. We can't all say it, but we all want it. We don't all use the term, but we all got to have it. And what it is, is it's okayness. And the way we get okay is by birth. The way we get okay is by who we're in. And that will never change. If you are in Christ, you could do one million sins... And you probably have and will when you add them all up. I mean, you'll probably reach the millions before you croak. I'm not lying. I don't know you, but I'm just guessing. But all of that sinning, all of that sinning does not change who you're in. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And all of that sinning becomes irrelevant because he's taken it away. By this, love is perfected with us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Why can we be so confident? Why? Because as He is, so also are we. What does that mean? Yeah, when I get to heaven, wait a minute, it says, in this world. Well, when is that? Well, that's, that, that's now. As He is, so also are we in this world. But wait a minute, let me tell you about my soul, because my soul has been experiencing all kinds of sin. Let me tell you what I feel, because this can't be right, because my soul, because my soul... And see, you're talking soul, and God's talking spirit. And they're both realities. But the fluctuation of the soul doesn't change that we've been made new in the spirit. Now... 
When we get together next week, we're going to talk about how can all of this be so true, because I know it is, because it's in the Bible, but then why do I still sin all the time, even after I'm new? Why do I get the thoughts? You know what thoughts I'm talking about? Yeah, those thoughts. Why do I still get those thoughts when I'm supposed to be so new? It says, as he is, so also are we in this world. How can that be if I'm getting the thoughts? The bottom line is this. The soul is like a mirror. And in any moment, your soul mirror can reflect your spirit or it can reflect something called the flesh. And we can live counter to who we really are. And this is why the Bible has two walks described. Walk by the Spirit, walk by the flesh. So we can do the most natural and normal thing, given who we are, and that's walk by the Spirit, or we can act like idiots. And that is walking in a way that's not consistent with who we are. Yes, there's two walks, but how many spirits do you have? Just one. The old self, crucified, buried, raised to a new self. You've got one spirit and a soul that can reflect the flesh or who you truly are. This is why, I'm going to finish with this, this is why when you sin, it just feels like, even if you get suckered into doing it because you think you want it, and then after you do it, how do you feel about all that? There's this this war, there's this conflict, and you're just not content with it, your peace is disrupted there, what's going on? It's your spirit. It's not just God up in heaven. It's not God up in heaven saying, I can't believe you did that. Oh, the Holy Spirit's convicted me. It's God up in heaven. I really wanted to do this, but God didn't want me to. And now He's all disappointed and shocked, and He's wiping the sweat away, and He's going, I did not see this coming. Is that your God, the God who who couldn't imagine that you might commit a sin? And so he's frustrated and disappointed and shocked? I mean, before the foundation of the world, God had planned to take our sins away through Christ. Christ is, is taken away all sins, past, present, and future. There'll never be another sacrifice. He's dealt with it. It's over. He's not shocked. It's finished. You're clean. But why, why all the conflict then? Get this. It's not about God up in heaven shouting down, why did you do that? It is our own human spirit crying out to be heard. We want to express Christ. We're made for it. It is Christ and us and Christ and us. And we are united with Him And neither of us wants sin. That's what it means to be a new creation. And we can prove that by walking in misery after the flesh. Or, you remember what it's like when you make that other choice? You know, that that whisper, that small idea of not reacting the way you always have. And so you turn and you flick the switch And you present your lips, you present your feet, you present your hands, you present your eyes to the living God. 
and he expresses himself in a subtly different way to someone or in some situation, and you walk away from that situation, and you are thanking and praising God. Thank you for rescuing me from that. Thank you for the choice. Thank you for the freedom. And you just know that you know that it's right because it sits well with your soul. It sits well with your soul because your spirit is made for it. Let's stop there. Next week, we're going to talk more about this thought struggle, this emotional struggle, and how it all fits in. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that we worship You not in emotion, but we worship You in spirit and truth. And You have allowed us to enjoy the gamut of emotion, highs and lows, goods and bads. We thank You for the soul. We thank You for the adventure of it all. But most important, Father, we thank You for taking up residence, for making your house in our spirit a place that will never change again, sealed up, locked tight, and we are seated next to you. We thank you for the cleansing. We thank you for the closeness. We thank you for the newness. Most of all, we thank you for the life. In Jesus' name, amen. In the, the Old Testament story is a story of one place, a little area called the Holy of Holies. And once a year, one guy could go in, and if he wasn't careful, he'd make a mistake, and his head would hit the floor, and they'd drag him out and try some other guy. It was a secluded place. You needed permission. You needed credentials. The book of Hebrews says that veil has been torn and we can go in with boldness and confidence. How do we get there? We don't go to some place. It's that God has come to us and that our spirit, not the soul, but the deeper place within, that human spirit is where God Himself lives. Do you believe that there's a perfect place within you? Do you believe that despite all of the emotions and all of the crazy thoughts that you entertain in your soul, do you believe that there is a perfect holy of holies within you? The Bible says it is so. You are a new creation, reborn, and God lives in that holy place. How close is your Jesus? Have a great day.